Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezat Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Chaf in Maseches Chtubos. Uh, where's the time going? Already Daf Chaf, Andrew. So let's start 10 lines up from the bottom of your Testament base. And it was a great place to stop in retrospect because it's a new idea. Watch this. Tanar Abanan. Shnaim Chasum Ashtar Mesu. So we're going to say like this. Our Mishnah had said the concept of Pesha also Pesha Hitir. When you have Adim, they come and volunteer the information. The witnesses testify that they are, in fact, the witnesses on a star. So they're verifying the star. But in the same breath, they are disqualifying themselves for one reason or another. Now we're going to cut and paste all those disqualification reasons. We're going to have the same case, and it's all the same halacha. What's the difference, Andrew? Two separate sets of Adim. The first set of Adim say that they are, that these two are, um, right, that these are, they are in fact verifying themselves as the Adim, and that's good. But now there's a second separate set of Adim saying that that first set of Adim were in fact not valid. Okay, so instead of the Adim saying about themselves that they're not valid, the second set of Adim are saying that they're not valid. Let's see how that changes the fact. In this particular, right, uh, Brysa that we're learning, it's not going to change the facts, and the Gemara is going to ask the question. Good morning. So like this. Tanarabon, 10 lines up. Okay, if two witnesses, they signed on the document, then they died. And then, So they are saying what in the Mishnah, the first set of Adam had said about themselves, they're saying all of that, uh, except for it's a separate set of Adam. A second set of Adam, Baal Shnaim and Ashuk. It's funny they say, right? They come from the, from the Shuk and say, to indicate that they are, right? Out of the blue, they come. The Amru, Yadanu, Shuk, Sav, Yadam, Hu. We, they verify. So they're verifying the first set of Adam. Aval Anusim Hayu, Ketanim Hayu, Psule, But they were disqualified. That set of Adam were, in fact, either under duress or they were disqualified because they were too young to sign or they were psulaidus for some other reason they were gamblers etc okay so in this particular case this second set of Adam from the shuk will be believed why will they be believed well presumably for the first re- for the same reason that the Adam in our mishnah were believed about themselves because they're volunteering the information that the Adam are valid and in the same breath, they're the ones that are volunteering the information that they were disqualified. Meaning they're volunteering the information, I should say it better. They're volunteering, the second set of Adam is volunteering the information that these are in fact, right? They're verifying that these are in fact the Adam. And in the same breath, they are confirming their identity, but saying that they were in fact disqualified. They were puzzle. So, Pesha Asur, Pesha Hitir, right? Without this second set of Adim, just like in the Mishnah, we would not know that these were in fact the Adim that were signed, that we would have no verification, and then in the same breath we find out, yes, indeed, they're the Adim, but they're puzzle. So they are therefore believed because of Pesha Asar, who Hapeh, Shehitir, the credibility is great in this case. However, just like in our Mishnah, the Raisa continues and says, that if already there were other separate Adim to verify this Adim that were written on the star, so now the second state of Adim no longer gain their credibility from the verification of the Adim, and therefore, or 
Or if somehow, right, we have other uh, evidence to verify that this first set of Eden were in fact valid, how so? From, let's say, there was a star that came under scrutiny because somebody challenged it, and then they looked into it, and then that's what Karalav Arer means, and then in the end it turned out that the star was in fact valid, and therefore it was verified. If the star and the Adim were prior verified prior to this um, testimony, um, that, that the Adim were, were not good, then hare elu ne'emanim. Hare ain elu ne'emanim, right? In other words, like we said, if, just like our Mishnah, if in fact the star was independently verified and the Adim that were written on it were verified independently, so then this second set of Adim from the Shuk that verify them, they lose their credibility because they're not adding anything new. We have no Pesha, also Pesha Yitir, and therefore, Ein Elu Ne'amanim. They're not believed because they've lost their credibility because we learn nothing new from them. And therefore, by coming and, and saying, just out of the blue, that the first Adim, or that the second set of Adim were no good, we do not believe them. Okay? So, so far, I think I took even too long, five minutes, to go over the Brisa. All I did was repeat the Mishnah, say the same din, and there's nothing new under the sun. It doesn't matter saying it outside. It doesn't matter whether it's just one set of Adim giving you right their own credentials and saying this is really us and then saying that we're a puzzle, nor, or if it comes from two separate set of Adim. Either way, if the same right source that told us that, the, that this is in fact like the Adim puzzles themselves, so then we believe them because Pesha Asar, Hua Pesha Hitir, they gain their credibility because we would not know it otherwise. And if we would independently know it otherwise, so then they cannot puzzle themselves. What we have to emphasize here is when we say, Ein Elu Ne'emanim, what we mean to say, Goranowitz, is that they cannot puzzle themselves. When they don't puzzle themselves, that means that the star is good, right? So again, we have independent verification of the star. Then we have a bunch, two Adam coming from the Shuk saying that the Adam are puzzle. We don't believe them because the star has already been verified. That means the star is good. So does it matter whether the Adam incriminate themselves or whether a second state of Adam incriminate them? So our Bryce says it doesn't matter. Either way, we don't believe the second set and the star is going to be kosher. But now the Gemara has a question. Yeah, oh, yeah, to me, it was going to be Muslim. So here's, so says the Gemara like this. Oh, I have Musa for you right now. Just pay attention. The Gemara wants to ask, Wait a minute. Why are we going to allow, again, when we don't believe the second set of Adam, both in our Mishnah when it's their self-incriminating, and in our, and in this case, in our Brisa, that means that the star is good. So I'll say it outside first and it's going to make sense. This is the Goranowitz Musser moment. A person is not allowed to incriminate themselves. You can't just walk into court. It's called Ein Adam Mesim Atzmo Russia. <laughs> a person is not allowed to incriminate themselves. So when a person says, I'm no good, so we're not going to believe them. We'll believe their initial statement that they were good. And there's a Musser in there because you should always believe good about yourself. It could be a self-fulfilling prophecy. We'll call it like that. However... When a, per, when a second set of Adam come independently, so then, now what do you have? Says the Gemara. You're going to say that the star is good in a case where it was independently, 
right, verified by somebody that was kosher, and then a second set of Adim said that the Adim were puzzled, Vamai, why would you collect money based off of such a star? Star. Trey or Trey Ninhu. It's two Adim testifying against each other, right, as opposed to the case in our Mishnah where the Adim are first verifying themselves and then self incriminating. So we can understand why we won't allow them to be self incriminating. We'll just throw out that self-incriminating evidence, and we're going to say that the star is good. But in the case, right, where you have a second state of Adam that are coming in, and they're saying that the first state of Adam are puzzled, we should not allow that star to be good. We should believe them, or at the very least, throw both Adam out of the case and not use the star. So the answer, Amar of Sheshes, the second to last line of the Testament base, Zot Omeret HaKhasha Tchilas Hazama He. Okay, now, what is this Statement mean in order to understand the statement we have to understand akasha then we have to stand hazama and why one would be similar to the other or different and after that all of davchaf is easy peasy okay Andrew so this is all by way of introduction then once we get to davchaf proper it's all going to be easy what does that have to do with uh, you know okay davening and all that davening okay so here we go I'll explain to you something give me something uh, uh, you know, so, uh, so akasha hazama here is like this. I'll explain to you. What is Hakasha Hazama? When Adam come and they say, Bob killed Frank. And then other Adam come and they say, no, Bob did not kill Frank. They're arguing just on the facts. That's called Hakasha. That's two Adam, two sets of witnesses that argue each other on the facts. Okay. In, in a case of Hakasha, we, we have to verify the facts. We might throw both, that's Trey Trey, we might throw both Adam out of Besden. Okay. We're not going to believe either of them. We're certainly not going to kill somebody necessarily based on that. There is a chiddush in the Torah called hazama. Hazama is different. Hazama is imanu ha'isim. But what has, in the second set of Adim, they don't argue with the first set of Adim on the facts. They are arguing about the first set of Adim's right reliability or ability to give the talk. They say to give the to give the testimony. They say imanu ha'isim. You were with us. So again. This testimony of the second set of Adam is not about the facts on the ground. It's about the Adam themselves. So now all of a sudden, the first set of Adam become the litigants, right? They're saying, we, we, don't, we don't know what happened between Frank and Bob, but we know that you don't know what happened. Okay, that's called Adam Azama. Torah says, Sitsem lo kasher zamam, that now that first set of Adam, all of, a, all of a sudden, they become the defendant, right? Because now they've been called into question. And we may do to them what they had planned to do to the original defendant in the case. Okay. What about regular law? Is there such a That's, that, so in regular law, we don't have that. This is a chiddush of the Torah. It's a good perjury. question. Perjury. Okay, so you can get, uh, Geronimus is asking, what about perjury? So you can get thrown in jail for, for perjury, but the chiddush of kasher zamam is that you end up getting the punishment that you had inflict, that you were attempting to inflict on the original, right, on the original defendant. So you testify, let's say that Frank killed Bob. Frank is supposed to get the death penalty. And when it turns out that you become, as the witness, that the witness becomes a defendant, they would get the death penalty. You don't have that in perjury. So that's an unusual type of azama. Okay, let's bring it back to here. What does Rav Sheshis mean? And by the way, to add to the confusion, there is a Gemara in Babakama, Daf Ayin Gimel that discusses this concept of Hakasha or of Hazama 
a hakasha tchilas hazama he, and it means something totally else. It has to do with like the sequence of a kasha beginning to hazama. Did anyone ever get the death penalty? So there's gemaras about that. They said if if a bezin gave the death penalty once in seventy years, it's considered a very very uh, cruel bezin that never really happened. Oh, so but it's all theoretical. This is just muster. This never happens. Right. This is your garano. It's muster moment. That it's you have to know that we take it so seriously. That's what he said about ksubis in the beginning, Garano. It's that mesachas ksubis that we um, are setting it up so so that the chasan kala, the whole reason of the ksuba, is to take the marriage more seriously, and of course to give the ksuba if necessary. But it's in order to formalize the marriage. That's, That's what the Rambam good. says. That's good, Muster. So now, what does it mean when Rav Shesha says hakasha tchilas hazama here? He says like this: some. So we just explained, right? Hakasha is two sets, two sets of Adam, we throw them both out. Hazama is witnesses that are contradicted are then discredited. And to that extent, even though technically we're not calling them Adam Hazama Mim, Hakasha is the Tchilas Hazama. There's elements of Hazama in Hakasha in the sense that even though the first set of Adam can't be punished, they need to be there at the testimony. That's what Rav Shesha says. And now, as we finally arrive at the at the still obnoxious time of 548 a.m., we say, This is Rav Shesha's explanation for why we believe, why we do not believe the second state of Edim, Right, and we believe the first state of Adam. In other words, again, in our Mishnah, the Adam was self-incriminating, and that's why we didn't believe, right, the second. Uh, we didn't believe their second uh, testimony, right, when we had the Pesha Asa Pesha Hitim, right, and we said Ein if it was verified from another source, right, if it's verified from another source then they lose their Pesha Asa Pesha Eter, and we don't believe them. In our Brisa, we had a second set of Edim. Rav Shesh is explaining like this. Why would we believe the first set of Edim and not? Because at the end of the day, that's what we're doing. We have two sets of Edim. The first set of Edim already verified it. And now when a second set of Edim come from the Shuk and say that the Edis is no good, we, we, we don't believe them. Why? So says Rav Sheshes, the reason we don't believe them is because the first set of Adam, don't forget, the Brisa said Mesu, the first set of Adam died. There is an element of Hazama because when the second set of Adam from the Shuk discredit the first set of Adam, there's an element of Hazama in the sense that they have made now the first set of Adam the defendants, right? Because they're discrediting them. Oh, now that they're the defendants, they have to be in court. That's what Rav Sheshet means. Just like when Ede Hazama or just like any Bezdin. When you have any Bezdin, the defendant has to be in court. That's what we say. So this sec- first set of Adam have been called into question. And even though really it's Trey Trey, there's an element of Hazama here in the sense that they need to be in court because they've now become the defendants. They are not in court because they're dead. And it is for that reason that we do not believe the second set of Adam. They have, they do not, they're not entitled to discredit the first set. Einam Ne'emanim. And the star will be considered valid. Because don't forget, the first set of Adam said that we are in fact the Adam and the star. Then they died. And then the second set of Adam came and tried to discredit them, but they're not there. The first set are no longer there to be discredited. We do not believe the second set of Adam. We therefore believe the first set of Adam that verified it. The star stands. 
and the money will have to be right verified, right? Whatever the star said will have to be upheld. That's the consequence. So, as we say, just like an Eidei Hazama, we have to have the Eidim present, even though this is not technically Hazama, we need the first set of Eidim to be there, and since they are not, we do not believe the second set at all. We throw them out and we uphold the verification of the Shtar. So now, now it gets easy. So now, Amr Rav Nachman, Ilu Machishin we have an uh, obvious, I would say, question. What emerges is an irony. The irony is as follows. If the first set of Adim were still alive and here to uphold it and say, yes, we are, in fact, the Adim, then we would throw both Adim out of, out of court, right? We would say, these are Adim HaKasha, and it would be Trey or Trey, and you would throw them out of court. Ironically, because the first set of Adim is now dead and not there to defend themselves, we're going to uphold the star. Right? That's ironic, right? Because if they were here and they were able to scream, oh no, you're wrong, second state of Adam, we would throw them both out of court. And it's, and, and so, and we would not uphold the star. So now what? Just because the first set of Adam are, are dead, we're going to uphold the star? That's the question of Nachman. If they would have been here and actually upholding their position, it would just be hakasha, right? It would be two argument, arguing Adam arguing on the facts, we'd throw them both out. The Havale Eidus Mekcheshes, because that's what's called Eidus Mekcheshes, right? That's when you're talking, arguing about the, right, the actual facts on the ground. Trey, Trey, get thrown out. Hashta the Lisnehu. And now, just because, ironically, the first set of Edom are, no, are not here to argue their point, so we're going to make their point stronger because they're not here to argue it? The Ilu Havula Kaman Dilma Havu Moidilahu. I mean, after all, Let's say they were here. So maybe they would actually agree with the second set of Adam. They'd say, oh, you know, we hadn't thought of that. We just are here to say that we are, in fact, the Adam on the star. But we forgot about the fact that we were Katanim. That's a good point. You know what I mean? If they would have been alive, then maybe the second set of Adam would have been corroborated. And it's ironically just because of the death of the first Adam that we don't believe the second set. So, Mehemni, can we possibly say that now that they're dead, they're more believed than we would be believed otherwise, and we're going to collect... Uh, some, uh, off of the basis of this verification of the star, So Rav Nachman doesn't like this explanation of Rav Sheshis. He doesn't like to say that the reason why we believe the first set of Adam and not the second is because the first set are dead and therefore the second can't testify in their absence. Rather, Rav Nachman, Oki Trey Oki Mare. Now, it's just Ada Kasha. We consider it Trey or Trey. In other words, it's a stalemate. First set of Adam said that the star was valid. Second set of Adam said that the, 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 those Adam were invalid and, there, and therefore the star was not valid. And we just say, okay, we're throwing both all you four Nudniks out of here and we're going to keep everything as is. That's Rav Shesha's explanation. How, where do we have precedent for that? So Rav Nachman is going to explain that there's a precedent for that. The Nechassim Varshatya. Who is Varshatya? He was a person that was in and out of normalcy. He was a shaita, and then sometimes he'd be better. So he was out of his, at, off the reservation half the time, and half the time he was paying attention. And they called him Varshatya. It was simple times then. They would call such a guy the shaita guy. You know what I mean? It wasn't a PC generation then. Okay. So they would call him Varshatya because he was sometimes a shaita. Right. 
PC means politically correct. In other words, this would be considered, it, today, Barshatya would need to find a safe place. Who, 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 space. Who do you call, why are you calling him Barshatya? It's not nice. But be that as it may, it is very descriptive of what he was. He was sometimes paying attention and sometimes he was off the reservation, the shaita. Okay, what happened with him? Barshatya Zavin Nichse. He sold his fields. Okay, well, that's, Problematic because a shaita can't sell his fields. In order to effectuate a sale, you need to have das. But and we don't know when he sold his field. Was he in his right mind or was he out of his mind? So also betray zavin. So two witnesses came and they said that we have to cancel this sale because when Bar Shatya made the sale, this by the way you might recall from Masechus Yevamos Namad Aleph. Remember that, Andrew? Anyway, that was the last Masechus we learned. So we had the case that we were already introduced to Bar Shatya. Anyway, So two witnesses come and say that when Barshatya sold the field, he was out of his mind. And therefore the sale is invalid. And then two more witnesses come and they right, are arguing with the first set of witnesses and they say no. He was in remission. He was in his right mind when he sold the field. He says, well, these two test, these two Adam are just testifying against each other on the facts. They're considered tray tray. Throw them both out. It's as if nobody testifies about anything and keep everything as is. Oki mamona becheskes barshatya. Keep the mamon in barshatya's hand. Now, the Tosfos and Rashi are going to argue about what this is going to mean because after all, what do you mean oki mamona? So does that mean you're letting the sale go through or you're not letting the sale go through? When did the Adam show up? <laughs> Usually when you sell a field, you sell the field and then you get money back. So what, at which point are we arguing about? Eh, okay, we'll go to us. It doesn't matter, really. Because what, what, what we're basically going to end up with is saying that whatever it was before the sale, that's how it's going to be. It's just a question of, does that mean Barshatya gets to keep the field and his estate gets to pe- keep the field? Or if, is it post-sale and he gets to keep the money, as Rashi says? And Tosa says he gets to keep the field. But the point is, not for now. The point is that whatever is the, whatever is the actual halacha, the two edim are going to be inconsequential. We're going to allow the status quo to stay because two edim that are arguing on the facts get thrown out and everything gets to be upheld becheskas mare, right? That everything um, ends up returning or remaining with the owner as it was originally before any of this testimony. Okay, so that's the reason why in our case, he's gonna say, we're gonna just leave the star as is. It's not because we are believing the first set of Adam over the second, it's just that we throw both of them out and just assuming that the star is fine. Now says the Gemara, wait a minute, this would only be true if Barshatya already had a chazaka of the ownership from his father. Right, <laughs> that really, but the only thing that makes right Barshatya a muxuk on either this property or this money is because his father, who was in his right mind, right, and was alert, his father made the transaction. So whatever transaction his father did, that's what that's going to be the status quo of Barshatya. But if he himself, right, was the one that made the initial transaction, so even there we're going to say, just like he's a shota in this transaction, he may have been a shota in the initial transaction. So again, there's going to be, uh, you're going to have to look at Rashi and Tosas to, to see 
exactly which transaction took, did, took place with the father. In other words, did the father own the field originally and therefore we say Barshatu keeps the field and it's as if nothing happened or did the, or did the father sell the field and now Barshatu keeps the money that the father got for the field. But be that as it may, the point... Right, right. If, in other words, if, if Barshatya was alert and not a Shota, so then any transaction that he does is allowed to go through because he did it in his right mind. It's only because of the fact that we don't know whether he was a Shota or not that we don't allow any of his tra- transactions to be valid. And so we, th- and if we have Adim contradicting each other on the fact of whether he was a Shota or not, we're just going to throw all both of them out of Bezdin, and leave everything as status quo. Fine. So, Amar Rabbi Bo, Ein Mazimim Sa'edim Ela Bifnayim. So now we've raised that issue. Okay, so that's the issue of Vashacha. That's the Teretz of Nachman, that we just keep everything status quo. Now, regarding Ein Mazimim Sa'edim Ela Bifnayim, which we said before, this idea that you can't have Eid Zama unless those Eidim are present, right? You can't, right, uh, adjudicate them unless they're in court. Umakhishin Esa Eidim Shelo Bifnayim. But that's not true of Edei Akhasha, right? Edei Akhasha can be, so again, a set of Edim says something and they argue on the facts and then they go home. And then the second set of Edim come and they argue on the facts differently. We don't need to have the original Edei Akhasha there, right? The original set of Edim there because after all, they're not the ones that are under scrutiny, right? They're not the ones that the case is about. They're just talking about the facts. So you, have, you bring, right, when you bring expert witnesses, you don't have to have each expert that testified present. It's like you have two contradictory expert witnesses. You don't have to have the, the expert witness isn't the one on the stand. I mean, he's on the one on the stand, but he's not the one that's being right. That that that's being um, right. Def- the defendant, right? He's not the one that this case is about. He's just giving contradictory evidence. He's allowed to do that to give his own opinion. So therefore, makhishin is saying shalom bifneim. And says the Gemara, the Hazama Shalobifnehem. This idea that Hazama, so then it's different. When you have Ede Hazama, so then that expert witness, so to speak, is on the stand as a defendant. Because Ede Hazama, we said the Adam themselves become the issue. So Nihide Hazama Lohavia, Kasha Miyahavia. So so what we're saying is like this that in this case, right, that even though it's not a valid Hazama, then it's at least a valid hakasha, right? So that's what Rabbi rules, that even though we're going to say, we're going to split the difference. In other words, we're going to split up this testimony. We're going to say that even though it's not hazama in the absence of the original uh, Adim, then with regards to hakasha, we are going to look at it as hakasha, and they are um, going to, and we are going to be able to throw out the testimony by virtue of that, um, because of the hakasha at least is valid, because for hakasha they don't need to be there. So now, So there, the Brysa that we just quoted had said that what happens if the star had been verified from someplace else, right? So we said already before, how is the star verified? Somebody questioned it. They challenged it. It was verified in Bezdin. So we said in that case, so we say the second set of Adim lose their Pesha Asa Pesha Hitir. They're no longer volunteering any important information because we already have verification of the star and therefore we're not going to believe the second set of Adim. So we already discussed the Akhasha, the Hazama, two sets of Adim versus one. Now we're talking about a new topic, which is what is going on with the star? How is it verified? Why are we saying that Karolav Ir Vahuchzak? That we're saying the 
notice the brysa. There's several ways that a star can be verified. Either A, then verify on the star, or, right, we say that a star was questioned and then verified in a Besdin, and we have evidence of that. Okay, and we have either witnesses or evidence from a separate Besdin to verify the star. Says the Gemara, Karlov ir in, lo Karlov ir lo. It sounds like the only way to verify a star in court is if somebody challenged it and then you verified it. It sounds like if the star was never challenged, it's not a strong star. Oh, the Garano, it's a Musar moment. Without surviving challenges in life, this is a real drush here, then, then the, the challenges makes you, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. The challenge makes you stronger. Do you understand, Goranowitz? This star would not be verified unless it was challenged in Bezdin. You get it? Okay. So unless you're challenged, you're not, you, challenge makes you stronger. So, Miss Isla, there will be Asi, Dharma Rabasi, Ain Makai. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Right after the other, Andrew told me you're going to give me Yeah. Andrew, I didn't want to make a liar out of you. Messiah the Rabbi Asi Dhamma Rabasi, Ain Makaiman is a star, Elamishtar Shakarlov Irvokzin. So now you can say that to your friends. Ravasi says a star is not Mikuyam, it's not verified, unless somebody challenged it and then it became verified in Bezdin. Good. So I'm in the Hardai, in the Harda, these say the following Ain Makaiman is a star, Elamishtaik Subos. What's going on here? Omishte Sados. Bhushachalum Balain Shaloshanim Uvishufi. Haha. It's like this. It'd be like saying, it'd be like saying, I'm not going to let anybody do surgery on me unless they've already done 10 surgeries. They need to have, they need to have, right, experience. So here, the Nardine needs to say, so what's wrong with it is, who's going to, who's, who are they doing the first 10 surgeries on? <laughs> so the, the point is like this, right? The only way that you could say that a star is really chashev is it's like, you know, when you get a new credit card and you need to have like four transactions, in order for it to be valid. So here, like this. The shtar is mekayim. If already, like, two ksuba documents or two sados, a couple of transactions already were used based off of the information of the shtar, and nobody said anything, right? And, and the owners, those who were involved in those cases, you know, were peaceful, nobody argued. So now you have the shtar in use, either as a ksuba or a shtar mecher, Right, um, and in some transactional use, and it was never declined. Right, it was never denied. Nobody ever said that it was. Nobody from the fraud department ever called and said that the star was no good. So then you know already this is a strong star. You could use that star and use it as valid. That's what they used to say in Harda. To which yeah, but that's only if somebody else. Right, we go and we say, in what case uh, was this used? Oh. Uh, these two guys had, right, a dealing based off of this star, so we know that that's a strong star. But if a guy comes to you with a stack of stars and says, these are my stars, and trust me, I've made a lot of deals with these stars, so he may be using Photoshop, Andrew, right? That we don't believe. So that's what the Gemara asks. Why do we not believe a guy who comes with a stack of, right, verifications from the rabbis saying, don't worry, these stars are all good? Well, Dilma is a euphemism. Could it all could be photoshopped? Could be a forgery? So the Gemara says, well, wait a minute. If we say even a star of someone else's could also be a forgery, he can bring a star and say, don't worry, this star has been used. Dilma Azul Vachaza Asav Maybe he went to see, right, the person who's mentioned in the document, and he saw the documents, came home, and then forged it, right, and made it look the same. Like maybe instead of an original forgery, as it were, 
right? Maybe it's just a copy of another, an, an actual forgery of a legitimate document. Why are we not concerned about that? So the Gemara answers, Kulei hai lo matzi In those days they had forgeries? Yeah, we were always concerned uh, through the, since the beginning of time that things can be forged because wherever you go, there's always charlatans out there. But the Gemara answers that no, matching the signatures that well when you have, right, uh, is very difficult to do. And therefore, we're not concerned about a forgery. In other words, if you're making the whole thing up, and lo lo nivra, right? If you're making it up from scratch, then you don't have anything that you need to compare it to. But if you're comparing it to an actual original, right? The original oxymoron, original copy. If you're comparing it to the actual original, so then that's harder to match, and that's a diff- more difficult forgery to make. Okay. I mean, they they forge artwork these days. You know? Right today, forgery. Uh, for, right, so it's always like, what's better? Which technology is better, the forgery, the technology, or the forgery detection technology? It's always one cat trying to catch up to the other. Okay, so now the Gemara is going to go back to written testimony. A fascinating question, guys. I'll say it outside first, and then we'll say it inside. Let's say something happened twenty years ago, and we say in the Torah, That means that when a person testifies, that's called oral testimony. Witnesses are giving oral testimony. What if Andrew saw something 20 years ago and he says, you know what? I want to be able to remember this because I want to testify. He writes it down. And now, 20 years later, he doesn't remember a thing, but he has his notes. When you read the testimony off of your notes, is that oral testimony or is that written testimony? Says the Gemara. So, right, he writes the Adis on the Star 20 years ago. 20 years later, you can testify off your notes. That's not considered a violation of oral testimony. So Yeah, that's only if you have some recollection on your own. Like the notes are jogging your memory. Because at the end of the day, it can't be straight off the notes. Rabbi Yochanan, however, says, Even if you don't remember at all, uh, the notes are like a living testimony to your own testimony. And therefore, it's still considered an oral testimony. So now the Gemara is going to say, Amar Or some say, Rava. If Rabbi Yochanan is allowing you to use your notes, even if you don't remember, Rashi's quick to point out. So they're not saying like, oh, he remembers it and he looks at his notes. The Machokas isn't when he looks at his notes and he remembers it completely. Or he doesn't remember it at all but he looks at his notes. The question is, he looks at his notes and he kind of starts to remember. So is that enough? So Rabbi Yochanan says, yes, that is enough. So Rava says, if that's enough, then Shemami Naomi to Rabbi Yochanan, Hani betrayed What if you have two people? We're going to use Barry and Andrew, the OG example. Barry and Andrew are coming and they witness something together. Betrayed the other Sadusa. And Andrew forgot. One of them forgot. Barry's allowed to say to Andrew, Andrew, don't you remember that we learned Masechus Erevin? <laughs> and Andrew's like, I think I remember that we learned Masechus Erevin. That's good enough. You can actually testify based off of your friend. Because after all, your friend is jogging your memory. I, it's, if you're having two people testify, they both have to be independent witnesses. Okay, but you could use a crutch, either your friend or your notes. As long as you remember something, you are valid second witnesses. So now we're going to ask, what if, you, what if the litigant himself 
The defendant reminds the witness. Is he allowed to do that? So Chaviva Amar Afilo Atzmo. So that was a machlokus. If Chaviva said that even the defendant is allowed to remind the witness, Me'arbere Rashi Amar Atzmo Lo. No, 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 no. The defendant can't remind the witness because why? He obviously has a self-serving agenda. So why would we trust him to remind the witnesses? Says the Gemara Vilchasa Atzmo Lo. That's right. We're not going to believe the defendant to remind the witness of what his testimony should have been. Don't you remember that that happened? Remember what happened? You're the defendant. You're not. You can't do that. As we turn to Chafam and Beis, we say, Who's the Turban and Rabbanon? Rashi points out, Ha'ed. Right? A three-letter Rashi. Yeah. In other words, if the aid is the Talmud Chacham, then his, testimo- then his testimony is going to be accepted, even if the litigant himself is the one that reminds him. Why, why Dafka the aid? Because we don't care how much of a Talmud Chacham the, the defendant is. Because the aide is the one whose testimony we're basing this on, right? We're, we're hinging the testimony on the aidim, and therefore it's the aidim that have to be beyond reproach. Sometimes the defendant can be a derelict, but that's not going to matter in our, in our adjudication of the case. What's going to matter is the testimony of the aidim, and therefore it's the aidim that need to be beyond the retro, uh, reproach. Be that as it may, let's give an example of this exception. There was once a case, a fascinating case of Rav Ashi and Rav Kahana. Rav Kahana was the defendant, let's say. And Rav Ashi, at one point, had knowledge of the testimony. So Rav Ashi is coming to testify in a case where Rav Kahana is the defendant. So Rav Kahana, the defendant, says to Rav Ashi, the witness, remember what you saw? Remember what you witnessed? So Rav Ashi says, honestly, I, I don't remember. Rav Kahana says, no, don't you remember? I was there, and then you were there, and then we saw it. It was like 25 years ago. Rav Ashi says, honestly, I don't remember this incident. Then Rav says, oh, yeah, I remember. And then he went and testified. Rav Kahana thought he was, he couldn't believe his eyes. He was stammering with amazement, right? Rav Kahana sees Rav Ashi, he says, don't you remember? Ravashi says, no, I don't. He says, no, it was this, this, and this. Nope, still don't. And then, sure enough, Ravashi testifies. Ravashi is a gadol. He's testifying, and he clearly has no recollection. He is mystified. Isn't Ravashi a gadol? How can he testify about something that he clearly doesn't know anything about? Says Ravashi, no, I'm a liar. Ravashi said, no. Oh, you think I was relying on you? No, I wasn't relying on you. I concentrated, right? And once I concentrated, since you jogged my memory, I remember it on my own. This was my own memory. We can get into it, David, if you want, the anatomy of memory, right? How memory gets stored in your mind, the things you remember, the things you forget. How does jogging your memory and which parts of your memory need to be jogged in order for that to be a valid testimony? It's an interesting area of study indeed. Okay, so that was the question here. And so we'll finish off today at the almost symbolic time of 6.14 a.m. with another case that having to do with memory. How far does a person's actual memory go? Friend, In a totally different... My friend that passed away, he wrote every tomorrow, and those. Yeah. And eight years later, he says, oh, my cousin, my cousin, my cousin, I still got the question. See that? Sometimes you look back in your notes. Right. Sometimes you look back in your notes and you're proud. Sometimes you're, uh, you're, uh, it's cringy. You don't know why. Andrew, I know you always say shoot for the stars. 
And that's why we're shooting to make it to the Mishnah seven lines up from the bottom on Chafam Abayz. Don't worry. Because that's a whole new topic tomorrow. But be that as it may, let's go with this last case. It's a case in Oholos. In the 16th chapter of Oholos. Oholos is long. I can't, I can't resist saying my uncle, Uncle Saul Zalzayin Gesund. Um, he's, he's somewhat learned. He's certainly very educated. But he's not classically, right? Uh, he didn't have classic post-high school yeshiva training. And so... He uh, signed up for Siyam uh, Mishnayis, and he picked all of us because he thought it was cool because he likes camping. And so I said, oh, you're in for a treat. I sent him a copy of the Art School Olos. I said, you'll definitely need this. And he read the whole Art School Olos cover to cover. He said, I got to tell you, that was a really tough read. He said, it was not a page turner. It was like, anyway, so... He is beautiful. He did it. That's why I'm telling the story. So anyway, it's not awesome. So listen to this Mishnah. It's not awesome. It says in the Mishnah, all us the following. Hatlulilios. Hatlulilios. A tail is a mound. Okay. Whenever you have a mound, guys, you have to be concerned. Is this a dead person buried in there or is it just like an ant hole? An ant hill. So hatlulilios hakrovos. So if they're in close proximity either to town or to the path, so then you got to be careful. So if they're close to a path or to town, you have to be concerned because what happens when somebody uh, dies or as we'll see, if somebody, let's say, has tzaras and it becomes like, um, uh, uh, like uh, I forgot what's called, um, revenge of the mummies and like their arm falls off. So they have to bury it, right? And they have to, and they're going to bury it near town or near the way, right? You, you bury these things along the path traditionally. And therefore, whether you see a mound that's an old mound or it looks like a fresh new mound, you have to be concerned that they're tummy, tameos. It's a tuma that is made out of suffake that you don't want to go and be near that area or on top of it because you might become tummy, right? In a world where we have to be concerned with tuma and tara, you have to be concerned that there's tumas mace underneath there. However, our chokos, when it's far off of, the beaten path, then chadashos tahoros. If it's new, then it's tahor. And yeshanos tameis. It's only tame if it's old. Why? So Rashi explains that chadashos tahoros the imisa denikbar be Right. In other words, people usually know if there was a recent levaya. So if it's new, so then you know. If there's a new mound and there was no levaya, so then you know that there is no tumma under there, that must be something else, some construction project. You would know if there was a dead person under there, and therefore you don't have to be nervous in a case of new. If it's a case of old, so then you don't remember, nobody remembers what happened, and then you have to be choshesh, that maybe there is a dead person under there. Question is, what's new? <laughs> How long does the collective memory last? So that's what it has to do with this, with memory. So let's see, Ezohi Krova, first, what is near the city? Chamishimama, 50 Amos. Bezu Yishana, and what's new and old? Shishim Shana. So the human memory is 60 years old. Okay. Diva Rebbe Meir. That's Rebbe Meir. Rebbe Yudal Merkova, Shein Krova Yimena. Near just means the closest. So they go to the closest cemetery area. Yishana, Shein Adam Zochra. Nobody remembers the origin of it. So he doesn't give an actual amount. What is this amount? So let's see. My ear, my derech. What's town and what's path? So says the Gemara. First of all, this mission in Oholos. If you mean literally any town or any path, that what? That anything that's near a town or a path, that's going to be considered Tameh? That can't be. 
Don't forget, we're talking about Eretz Yisrael. I think we had this in Shabbos and in Erevin also. Don't you remember we said that we have a certain amount of area where some burials were taking place, but we did not want to extend in a state of Suffolk that area into Tumah. Why? Because we want to keep as much land of Eretz Yisrael Tahar as possible. So we're not going to take everything that's Suffolk Tumah and make Eretz Yisrael Tameh. So what are you going to say? Any city or any path in Eretz Yisrael, we're going to deem Tameh out of Suffolk? That can't be. As Reish said, They found, they always found a reason and a pretext to declare Eretz Yisrael Tahar, which is to say, we don't just make cities and paths in Eretz Yisrael. Tameh. Out of Suffolk, we want to keep it all tar. So says the Gemara, no. When it just says ear and derech, it doesn't mean any old standard ear and derech. Amar ear, ear has Yeah, no. If it's like the city that's by the cemetery, or derech, derech beisakvaros, or the road to the cemetery, it is those roads and those cities that if you see a mound near it, that you have to be concerned that there may be tummy. Says the Gemara, Bishlam derech beisakvaros, I can understand the way to the cemetery, the zimnin de mistrami beinashmashos, because sometimes you, never, you can't control when somebody dies and then you do the Levaya right away, but the sun starts to set on Erev Shabbos. You do not have the opportunity, the luxury of continuing on Shabbos. So sometimes on the way to the cemetery, you'll see Kvaros on the way where they had to stop and bury it right then and there. Okay, Mikru Kavru Basel. They had to bury it then and there on the way. Yeah, but why are you burying it in the city near the cemetery? If it's right near the cemetery, you're just going to go to the cemetery, right? You'll just bury it there. So, Women and, who have to bury a fetus, they don't want to talk about it. They don't want to make a levaya out of it. They, they would rather just do it without anybody knowing about it. And similarly, people who have shchin and other things and gangrenous things, chalila, uh, right, and their body parts are falling off and they want to bury them. This is not the kind of thing you make a levaya for in a big deal. So therefore, it is that stuff that you are, it's tame nonetheless, it's tame. But for that reason, we have to be worried that near the, the city, they're going to bury it, bitzina. So now we said, So 50 amos, a woman would go, and that's why we're saying chamishim amma, that that's as far as a woman would go to bury her fetus on her own. But more than 50 amos, she's going to have to bring a person with her in order to protect her. And they're going to go all the way to the base of Kvaros. So that's why only within 50 amos you have to be concerned. And therefore, we don't make that presumption of Tum and Eretz Yisrael when it's more than 50 amos outside of town. Okay, so now, Amar of Chista, we're connected to us. Shema Minami Rabimeir, Aisa Dusa, Shnin Midkar. How long can we expect somebody's memories to go when it comes to remembering testimony? 60 years. Statute of limitations, guys. If it happened more than 60 years ago, an aide can no longer say, I was there. Because, yeah, you may be been there, but you're, it's 60 years ago. You don't remember it. Tfei, lo midkar. More than that, you don't recall. Fascinating halacha. Velohi. But the Gemara says, that's not true. Hasam hu Allah. Yeah, when it comes to uh, testimony about whether there was a Levaya here, it's not incumbent on anybody to remember. Nobody's going to hold you to it. It's just something that happens. And it's a conversation for us who are the students of the mind to discuss how long somebody would remember. But you witnesses a murder and now you're an aide? Well, there you have an obligation 
to remember. That's different, right? And since you witnessed it, that's something you can never get out of your mind. That's something you can never forget. And on top of it, you are going to be held responsible. You know you might be called upon to testify this at any moment. You can hold on to that testimony for longer than 60 years. It is an indefinite amount. So even though with regards to where the mounds are, we're going to say 60 years, it is in fact not relevant to us. Your memory can be jogged at any moment even 120 years after the fact. Okay, we're going to be to remember all of our learning for 120 years and more because we're going to be held accountable for it, Andrew. Okay, we'll resume with the Mishnah tomorrow.